Session three is about the two different gardens that God intends to raise the child in. One is the home and the other is the church. The church is like a, a second family and we have to prioritize relationships in both of them. We have to prioritize relationships in the home and we also have to prioritize having them identify um, with their tribe, the larger Christian community. We're also going to talk about how your child's going to be a visitor somewhere and they're going to belong somewhere and how to make sure they choose correctly for each one of those things. All of the pressure that we live with today to be involved in everything, the activity, like the stress of it, um, we're going to talk about dealing with that. And one of the questions that's behind all this, that pervades this whole session, is what do you really consider success in parenting to be? How do you define success? Is success where they go to college, uh, what kind of job they get, or is success primarily um, their, their development and their walk with God, uh, their relationship to His kingdom, and how they pursue His ministry in their lives? So in the introduction, we talked about the fact that this psalm written by Solomon really has two different audiences. One is the family. Uh, this was a psalm that was read uh, over the birth of every Jewish baby. Uh, but the other audience is the larger community of Israel. You see, if you look in your Bible, right above where it says the, you know, the psalm name, it says a little thing, it says a song of ascents. And what that was is... Um, the Jewish, every year um, the Jewish people would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was up on a hill. And so the whole community, as they were going up to Jerusalem, would begin this ascent. There's a long, gradual ascent. And they would sing through these songs of ascent. There were five or six psalms that made up this. And they would sing them in worship as they got close to the, to, to the Temple Mount. So it wasn't like when they got there that, you know, um, whoever was leading the group said, okay, everybody drop out and just the parents sing this. No, the whole community sang it because... Um, this was a psalm given not just to, to moms and dads, it was given to the entire community because the responsibility for bringing up the child was not just the responsibility of the mom and dad. It, these, were, these were the community. This was the community of faith, the family of faith. They were the ones that were bringing up these children. You see, God has two different gardens in which he intends to grow um, our children. Uh, one is the family, the home, and the other is the church. And we've already talked about the family a good bit, so let's, let's talk about the church. A kid really needs to have like an outside, a second, sort of a second family. And ideally you've spent some time thinking about and investing in those people that are going to surround your kids so that when they feel like for whatever reason, they can't confide in you or um, things like that. They have those people in their lives that um, are following God, that they can trust and they can confide in, that they have seen because they can take you for granted. Um, we all are in a family. You know how that is when you watch your parents do something you don't even necessarily notice it anymore. So if they have those people from the church outside of them that they have seen following God and they can model themselves after them as well as you, that's gonna be critical for them. You see the church, that's really what it is. It's a second family. It, it, it's there to have other people that speak into a child's life, um, other people that he learns to, he or she learns to call his or her community, um, a second family. Listen to this, Reggie Joyner said this in a book he um, authored on, on child rearing. Teens who had at least two adults from their church make a significant investment in their lives were more likely in their post high school years to keep attending church. Those who had at least five or more adults spend time with them personally from the church were nearly twice as likely to continue on in church after they went to college. Mm -hmm. 
Joyner says this, children need more than just a family that gives them unconditional acceptance and love. They need a tribe that gives them a sense of belonging and significance. So the family relationships are crucial, but just as crucial are these relationships in this larger tribe, if you will, the church. We've really, I think that's crucial. I mean, you can't be replaced that having other adults investing in your kid. We've had a, um, a little sort of, I guess we'll call it our little tribe. We've had some other families that we've really spent time thinking about what we want to do so that there are those fallback people for our kids and their kids, and we are there for theirs. When our kids in this little group, when they turn five, the moms take them out to wherever they want to go for um, dinner and just spend time with them and, and hang out with them. And it's, it's yeah, the key is not there imparting some deep doctrinal knowledge. Right. It's, it's just that there's other there's like other that. adults that are speaking into the kids' lives. Yeah. Last time we talked about what our favorite ice cream was for like 20 minutes at Golden Corral. So it was <laughs> delightful. Anyway, uh, some of the dads, they write letters to the kids and they don't open them until they turn, you know, 15. And so the dads have done that for each kid as they mm -hmm. turned um, a certain age. You know, um, I, I know some parents who, um, like the dads uh, in a small group, will take out a son when he turns 13. And they'll take him out, you know, a night overnight camping trip and they'll say, hey, you're about to enter into manhood. Let me tell you what what I understand about Christian manhood. And, and the point is, is that there's just Time. multiple people from the church that are speaking into to a child's life. You know, the question came up earlier about what do you do when you're a single parent? You don't have all these functions. That's what God gave the church for. Yeah is God gave the church to be this family. I mean, Jesus said that. It's like having, you have a, a, a fathers and mothers that are a hundredfold because the eternal family, the family in Christ um, is even, you know, eternally speaking, more significant than, than, than the biological family. Yeah. So there are two gardens and we have to prioritize. That's a key word. You got to prioritize relationships in both of these gardens. Um, so let me just talk about the family for just a minute because I feel like in our culture, um, we are so driven um, as parents to get our kid involved in every possible extracurricular uh, activity. because if, every day of the week. That's right, because if not, we're afraid that they're going to get left behind. You know, and so that, you know, all the other kids are going to know how to play the violin and the... And they'll know um, Russian and my kid won't. Yeah, and, and you're just like, oh, and you live with all this stress. Um, Kevin DeYoung wrote a book um, called Crazy Busy, and in it he cites the, um, the work of a, um, a professor named Brian Kaplan at George Mason University, um, who had done this extensive study on biological twins adopted in the United States by different families. So again, two identical twins taken in two different families, and he limited the subset to um, families that were really hyperactive, you know, taking their kids to stuff Everything. seven or eight times a week, and then other families that were just really laid back and hardly, you know, had their involved, involved in any in extracurricular less. activities. And he said it was fascinating that after extensive study, he found that there was no statistical difference um, in the kids raised in different families in terms of how they developed, Success. Um, their success, where they got into college, even what sports they ended up becoming really good at. He said, because those things come a lot more naturally and it's not really sitting on the, uh, on the shoulders of the parent. He said, what is fascinating is that the kids in the hyperactive homes, um, they ended up being um, suffering from what he called a secondhand stress. You know, like secondhand smoke, secondhand stress, the stress that the parents feel about having their kid involved in everything was put onto this kid and that actually stunted their emotional development. Well, you know, the bottom line in that is what our kids most need is they need this stable environment that's relationship heavy. I've heard it said like this. Um, the average American's goal is to make their kid experience rich, experience everything there is, even if it means they're relationally poor. 
If you understand what the Bible says about what really contributes to a kid's development, then you will want them to be relationally rich, even if it means that they're experience poor. Because these experiences don't contribute nearly as much to a child's development as do the quality of these relationships. Yeah. It means that what's important is that we're there, we're present, um, that there are times you know, that you prioritize things like family dinner. I saw the most fascinating study that, that, um, that eating together as a family is one of the few things for which there is no diminishing returns. You know, diminishing returns is like, as you do it more, you get less and less value of it. They said that no matter, if you could eat every meal with your kid together, that that actually just seems to keep going up. The, the payoff for the, it. The just, payoff of what you know, goes into your kid. You also need a lot of downtime, a lot of unstructured playtime. I mean, these are things where you know, relationships are forged. You know, kids kind of need, I mean, if you look at studies, they need time to get bored. That's where like creativity is developed, not in these like structured times where they're told exactly how to do, what to do, when so to our, do it. our kids yell out, I'm bored. We're like, like Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, Play with your sister. So what you, you find is that the most significant thing in the child's development is not some technique that you learn as a parent. It's, it's engaged presence. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the challenges we're facing with a teenager especially is the presence of texting, Facebook, social media, where they're behind a screen all the time. And it's just really more challenging to have that face-to-face -face time. Yeah, I mean, like we've seen our kids, and I'm sure you have too, sitting in a room together. Texting each other. Texting each other, which is and, and And that's kind of tends to be their default. You know, when I don't know what to do, I'll go grab that Text. thing and start texting friends. And so we're trying to create space in our family for our kids to know each other and say, in order to do that, we got to put the screens down, trying to, to prioritize relationships in the family and the church Real. where we say know each other, face-to-face, -face, engaged presence. So also, not just family, because so, we're talking about these two gardens, you also need to prioritize the relationships in the church. Um, Proverbs 13, 20 says that he that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. We also, we say to our kids a lot, well, JD says it all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah, the best indicator of what you're gonna become are the people that you're around right now, according to Proverbs 13, 20. Because yeah. if, you, if you're a companion of fools, that's where you're headed. Yeah, I think it's important to, um, to realize that your kid is gonna be a visitor somewhere and he's going to belong somewhere, um, if that makes sense. Like um, he's going to identify his primary community um, either, most likely either at school or church and his secondary where he kind of just drops in occasionally mm -hmm. um, is going to be, you know, one of those as well. Yeah, I see a lot of parents, like they'll have their kid at church, but their kid's real community is going to be found at their school, on their, their soccer besties, team. Their... And, and nothing wrong with that. I mean, we yeah. got to have multiple communities, but it's kind of like they're a visitor at church. So when the kid picks people to come to his or her birthday party, they're choosing the ones over here. That's their community. And so one of our goals is to say, I want our child's community. I want them to be with. the people of God. Yeah. And then I want them to be a visitor at these other places. And certainly have friends, but right. yeah, be a visitor there. I think that's something that we've talked about. Um, and yeah, our parents that, did this well. Yeah, we said that, that, they, that I felt like I primarily identified with the people at my church and secondarily identified with the people well, underlying all of this, and here's a, this is what I think we have to consider as parents, is you're again confronted with this question of what really is success as a parent? Is, is success measured by, you know, where they go to high school and, and where they go to college? I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm thinking about those things as a parent. But ultimately, success for me is that my kids grow to love God, um, to love the church, and to walk with God. And if that's my measure of success, then that changes my priorities a little. 
It means that I'm, I'm going to want to pour my energies into those things that are more likely to contribute to that side of their life, even if it means that, you know, I'm not as focused on some of these other things. Matthew 6, tells us that if we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, then all these other things will be added to them. Um, well, all these other things could include all these, you know, blessings that the world wants to, you know, offer to our kids. I'm like, well, let's seek God first and then let's let that be the kind of the big item and let all these other things, you know, let them just sort of be, be added on. So we have these two gardens and you really have to think about which one you're prioritizing in your life and what your actions are saying about it. Yeah, because I mean, the goal is to make kids relationship rich, relationships in the home and in the church. And if that means they're experienced poor at certain times, then probably overall that's better for the development of a kid because it's the relationships in these two gardens, the family and the church, that end up being the primary contributor to your child's um, spiritual and physical and emotional development. So why don't you take some time to kind of dive into that and un unlock the scriptures.